Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher and today we're looking at what it means to trust God. I mean for some of us it's hard enough to trust people, let alone trust, let alone learn how to trust God that we can't see or touch or hear that well most of the time, right? Today we're looking at an example of a woman who Jesus said had great faith. And I'll tell you in advance, she's an unlikely character. Now, for those of you that like to do a little bit study yourself, we're looking at Mark 7 and Matthew 15. Can you learn something from people that you don't like, don't admire, don't approve of? Absolutely, Jesus would say. In fact, we're more likely to learn from troubling situations and troubling people than when life is calm and smooth. Now, I think that sometimes it's, it's easy for us to think that life is about trying to get to a place with our home life, our family life, our work life, where there's no hassle. You know, people will leave us alone to do our thing and we will be supported and surrounded by good, kind people and then we'll have peace. Then we'll have no stress and then we'll be happy. And when we're peaceful and when we are without stress, we're going to feel spiritual or enlightened and whatever word you want to call it. And then we're going to feel like we have a good, strong faith. Well, having a strong faith or a great faith, being a a mature spiritual person, really isn't about creating a peaceful life. It's more about the way we live the life that we have. Faith is more what you do than how you feel, as we'll see in our passage this morning. You know, it's not often that Jesus makes a comment about someone having great faith, but the woman in our story this morning, this afternoon, my morning, receives that compliment from Jesus. Now, here's an interesting thing about the word faith. Faith, you know, it's like the word love. It's so overused, you don't even know what it means anymore. It's actually, in the original language, it's from the same root in the New Testament Greek as trust. So really, when we're talking about great faith, we're talking about trust. When we speak about, when Jesus speaks about faith, or someone has great faith, it's really another way of saying, this is someone who has great capacity to trust. Faith is all about trust. You could just use that word trust and it would work in the scripture. Like, for example, in our relationships, if you trust a person, right? Let's say you have a good spouse, good partner, a best friend. You believe what they say, right? Why? You rely on them to be good to you and they always have been. So you trust them. You know that they are consistently there for you. They have been in the past, year after year after year. You trust them. They speak truth to you. You believe it. Why would you not, right? Trust is the basis for any good relationship. 
Now, when you don't have trust, you, you don't really have much. I mean, you have a, a, a surface, unsatisfying meeting with another person. It's most unsatisfying. But to trust someone is an empowering, nurturing, good thing. So when we're talking about trusting God, that gets a little trickier because we can't see God, we can't touch God, we can't hear God in the same way, right? As we trust our loved ones, it's entirely different. So it's a whole new learning curve how to trust God. And that's kind of what it means to follow Christ. I am learning how to trust. And and if you've been learning any time at all, you, you know by now, it is not easy. This is not this is not an e- an easy path. It doesn't come naturally to us, I don't think, to trust. But if you think about it, if you if if we really trusted God, right, and God says, "I've forgiven you." Well, if I really believed that, I could actually leave the past behind, and I wouldn't be plagued with guilt, would I? If God says, I love you, and I let that seep into my innermost being, you know, after a few years of hearing that, my, my self-worth is going to start to soar, right? That's going to make a difference to me. If I trust that, if God says, I'm going to give you strength, and if I trust that, I'm going to be tackling things that I feel are way beyond me, Right? So faith and trust, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Now, I know that many of us, including myself, and I've said this too, I know that many of us would say, well, whatever it is, you know, faith, I'd like some more of it. But Jesus teaches, you, you don't really need any more. You have what you need. Remember, that's the mustard seed story. You have what you need. You just have to learn how to use it. And the woman in our passage this morning uses the faith that she has. Now, she's an interesting person, uh, not what you would expect as usual, right? Now, you, we're looking at an example of faith here. So he's, Jesus is lifting up someone who's saying this woman has, oh, she's great trust, amazing faith. Now, you might think that she'd be strong and quietly confident, a calm kind of person. She's not. She's not. She's can't, She's loud. She's desperate. She's persistent. She's in your face. She won't take no for an answer, which is kind of intriguing, because that's not how most of us picture someone of great faith and trust. But that's how she is. That's the personality that she has. So this story begins, takes place now. Uh, town called Tyre, non-Jewish territory. She's not Jewish. So in those days, you were either Jewish and a believer or or you were an unbeliever. That's it. There was only two classifications at that time. You were either a believer and you were Jewish. This is from the Jewish perspective of 2,000 years ago. You were either Jewish and a believer or You are a Gentile, unbeliever. Keep away from them. We don't like them. We don't want anything to do with them. So she is a Gentile. She is a woman. 
So here the disciples learn a lesson about trust from a person who is wrong religion, wrong gender, wrong race, and the prejudice that the disciples would have had is generational. It's a generational, deeply rooted prejudice. So you know how difficult that is. You know, it doesn't matter how much teaching you hear about God loving all people and everybody being equal in God's eyes. If you've been raised to dislike a particular group or you have come to dislike a particular race, it is not that easy to change. So the disciples have heard countless teachings on inclusion. It's one of Jesus' main themes. But listening to teaching and living, it's worlds apart. So basically, this dialogue exposes the disciples' deep-seated dislike and disdain for these Gentiles, commonly referred to as dogs. So here's the text. She finds Jesus and she begs for a healing for her daughter. She is absolutely desperate and she keeps on asking and asking. At first he doesn't answer. And in Matthew's account, the disciples say what we would expect them to say. It's like, oh, Jesus, send her away, get rid of her. Tell her to leave. We don't want to have anything to do with her. She's annoying us. She's bugging us. Get her out of here. Send her away. And Jesus says to her, eventually he replies, and he says, you know, I was sent for the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, he's saying, there's an order to my ministry. First, Israel. Then, I'm going to open it up to the world and everybody else. But I've got to do things in order. I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. I'm going to speak to my own people first. And after that, this is going to be like worldwide from this point on. But first Israel. And she keeps persisting and she doesn't give up. Please, please help my daughter. She persists, she persists. And Jesus says, look, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. No doubt the disciples are nodding in agreement. It's like, yeah, right, Jesus, go on, tell her, get rid of her. She doesn't back down. She doesn't back down, which seems like a, this is a key point in the passage. She doesn't. She's not offended. She keeps going. She doesn't argue with them, but her comeback is, he says, look, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. And she replies, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I am not taking a no. A crumb is enough for me. If it's from your hands, if it falls from your table, I understand you have priorities. And I understand that you have priorities that don't include me at this time, but all I need is a crumb. Can you spare that? A crumb is all I need if it's from your hands. And when she says that, a crumb is all I need. Jesus just stands back, looks at her and says, woman, you have, you have great faith. What? You have great faith. It's like disciples 
Do you see this? This is what trust looks like. Learn from her. She knows me better than you do, you know? She, she knows I can't turn her away. She knows that I care. She knows that I love her. She knows about my compassion. Great faith, strong faith. It is not easily put off. You know, a proud woman would have walked away offended. Now, many, many times we don't understand God and God's ways. And it takes a lot of trust to hang on when your heart desire, when your prayer apparently is being answered with a no. That takes a lot of trust to just keep flinging your lot in with God no matter what. You know, those of us who have unanswered, unanswered prayer, and by unanswered prayer I'm talking about the heart desires or the heart desire isn't, we're, we're not quite, we, don't, we haven't found it. We haven't found the answer or the, the doors seem to keep closing or the answer's so slow to come. There's no change. There's nothing clear, but you trust anyway. That's, that's great faith. You keep trusting anyway. See, a weak faith, a weak faith is, is the understanding of it's all up to me. If God does care, if God does exist, I don't know if God does or exist or not, but if God does exist, then it's life is all up to me. I have to make it work by myself. I have to figure it out. But great faith is trusting. It's trusting. You know what? I don't understand what's going on, but, but I'm trusting God here. Whether the answer is yes or no or maybe or never, I don't care. I'm looking to God. And I'm not going to go anywhere else. And I'm, I'm going to keep pursuing and I'm going to keep asking and I'm going to keep looking until I get an answer, until something gets clearer. I'm going to keep moving toward God. I'm not going to back off. I'm not going to shut down. I'm not going to despair. I'm not going to give up. I don't even have a plan B. Great. That is great faith, Jesus would say. That is great faith. That's what trust is about. Did the, did the disciples learn a lesson from her? Did, did they learn what trust looks like? Well. No. Who knows? You know, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to see how we could benefit from something or someone that we chafe against. You know, really, really difficult to see how we can ever benefit from something or someone we chafe against. You know, if someone really bugs us or bothers us in whatever way. It, it really can tell us something about ourselves. And, it, and it, it can become a point of spiritual growth. And when I talk about spiritual growth, I'm talking about healing. If someone makes me furious or someone or, someone or a situation brings out sadness or I become fearful... Or I have no patience whatsoever with a situation. Or I withdraw. Or if I overhelp. You know, these are all clues. They're all little flags. They're, they're signs 
that if I, if I step back, if I observe, if I listen, just watch, God can use these people to show us things in ourselves that need, that need healing. And healing always leads to freedom. It's like we're not, we don't have the baggage anymore. We're not carrying the baggage anymore. That's why, how do you know I'm healed? Well, I'm not carrying that baggage anymore. I, I don't, if it's unforgiveness, I'm not carrying that anymore. If it's anger, I'm not carrying that anymore. If it's resentment, disappointment, I'm not carrying that anymore. The very ones that, like the disciples, we want to say, send her away. No, get rid of her. That energy. Oh, why do I have to keep dealing with this? Just send her away. These are the ones that teach us about trusting God. These are the ones that can help us face our deepest fears. These are the ones that, you know, they unsettle us to the point when something can't be ignored anymore. You know, and this could be somebody who's alive, or it could be somebody that's been dead for 20 years, but you still, they're still alive in your head. You know, God uses all sorts of situations and people and incidents to ultimately help us, you know. Hidden wounds are mined for healing purposes. You know, they're not bubbling up to the surface just for the sake of it. Hidden wounds are mined for healing purposes with God. So for those of you who, you know, you understand the disciples' dilemma. Oh, please, just send her away, Lord. And of course, she's not sent away. She's not sent away, you know. You know, is there, is there someone or something that you'd like to send away? Yes, there is. Well, isn't it intriguing that whatever it is we want to send away keeps appearing and reappearing and appearing and reappearing, whether it's a person, a circumstance, a problem, a reaction, how come it's still there? How come it keeps coming back? It's still there because we're not quite free yet. But we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there with the, with the help of God. We're getting there with the help of God. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher, and we've been looking at what great trust looks like. And it might be desperate, and it might be loud, and it might be needy and persistent and, and frantic. And that's just fine, Jesus said. Because that kind of trust, that kind of faith is looking for help in the right place. And you'll not be disappointed. A crumb is enough when it's from God's hand. There's the heart cry. A crumb is enough. God, I just need a crumb. There's the heart cry. So hang on. Keep looking to God until you get your crumb. Join with me next week for another episode of Celtic Preacher.